and obviously now Christmas is over. Many of you, how many of you have already taken your lights down? All right, how many of you say my lights are still up and they're going to stay up till February? Okay, that's me. I'm going to light mine till February because I took so much time to put them up, right? So Christmas lights start to come down. The holiday spirit is, is starting to fade a little bit. Um, decorations we put away, those toys that you bought your kids have now become really annoying just after a couple days, right? Maybe, how many of your kids got Legos for Christmas? How many of you have stepped on the Legos already? Okay, so you, you kind of get what I'm saying. But before we completely pause away from Christmas a little bit, because typically at this point on Christmas Eve or, excuse me, New Year's Eve, many people want to, to talk about making New Year's resolutions, right? You know, we want to serve God a little bit more. We want to read our Bible a little bit more. We want to save a little bit more money. We want to lose a little bit more weight, exercise a little bit more. We want to make all these different types of resolutions. Maybe some of your resolution has been to not make any resolutions, right? So we all kind of have that thought. But before we do that, I want to pause a little bit and look at one more time at our Christmas story. And I want to look at one set of characters in the Christmas story, the wise men. And I believe sometimes they're very much looked past, but I don't want us to do that today. But to help us kind of jump into this, if I could have any of the kids that are in here in the audience, if you'll just kind of join me on stage. i got a little experiment that I want to do, but I'm going to need the kids' help. I heard this was family worship. Yes, there we go. Here's my son coming up. Come on up. I know I look scary, but I promise I'm not. You can come all the way up on stage so everybody can see your wonderful faces. All right, well, there's a lot of kids. This is awesome. Move this out of the way so everybody can see you. You guys are going to be the main attraction today. All right, come and come and fill in. Come in this way. Come on, fill in. Everybody, gather, kind of gather around this cup for me. You guys see this cup right here? All right. How many of you would believe if I told you that I'm a scientist? How many would believe this? A few of you. How many would say there's no way you're a scientist? Fair enough. I'm definitely not a scientist. But I do know a few science experiments, okay? All right. How many like money? Okay, figured that. That'd get them all every time, right? All right. How many would say that this penny is a little bit shinier than this penny? Okay. All right. Now, how many of you think if I told you I can clean this penny and make it look like this one, would you believe me? They're like, I don't know. I'm just going to raise my hand. Okay. So that's what I'm going to try to do, okay? I'm going to try to take this penny here. It's a little dirty, okay? It's one that's probably in the floorboard of my car that I found, okay? This one looks really clean. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stir this around a little bit. You guys have any idea what's in here? Whoa, oh, lemon juice. It's not lemon juice. Vinegar. You've seen this before. That's not fair. In case you're wondering, that's my son, so. All right. So, I'm going to dip, but all I'm going to do is I'm going to dip half of it in there, okay? So you can see the difference. And let's hope that it works. Because if not, I don't know what else I'm going to preach on. All right. Dip it in there. Take it out. Rub a little bit. Good, good. Oh, I can start to see it work already. All right, how many of you can see a difference between the halves? You see that? Mind blown, right? Okay, let's get a different one. 
All right, see, this is pretty dirty, right? I'm just going to put this one all the way in there, okay? Now my hands are going to smell like vinegar. Ooh, is right. Disgusting, absolutely. You put vinegar in your hair? Wow, okay. I do that a lot. That's why my hair is turning gray. Don't put vinegar in your hair. All right. Now look at that. See? It's pretty, isn't it? That's your favorite color? Copper? That's awesome. Oh, it looks pink. All right, let's do one more, okay? All right. You sm I smell it too. Now my hands are going to smell like this. Is that a good smell? No. When you see me out in the hallway, you can call me stinky hands now, okay? All right. See that? I love these kids. This is awesome. All right. All right, very good. And you see this now. See, the difference here was we took this solution, and when the pennies entered this solution, what happened? It just got clean. They changed, didn't they? Yeah. See, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the wise men and how the wise men, when they met Jesus, they were changed. Okay? They left a little bit differently. All right? So I want you guys to go find your parents. I'm going to need your help again a little bit later on, okay? Good job. Give them a hand. They did great. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to see here is the wise men were changed by the impossible. Their journey takes place possibly two years after the birth of Christ. Matthew chapter 2 says it this way. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and we have come to worship him. First thing I want to point out about their journey is this. Number one, God's journey always involves faith. Taking a journey with God is always going to involve faith. Look at the first question they asked. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? All they're going on is a prophecy and a star. That's what they're going on. And this right here was enough for them to pack up everything they had and make this long, long journey to see this king. Okay, now they didn't have like call-ahead seating during that time, okay? They couldn't call and make sure it was a, a good time to go and visit this, this king. Okay, they didn't call the Hotel of Jerusalem and make reservations, okay? They basically saddled up their camels and they began to take the journey. And can you imagine, if you will, kind of their neighbor's reactions? Can you imagine that for a moment? They're like, hey, John, what are you doing? Well, I saw this star. I'm going to go follow it. Why are you following a star? Well, you see, because this star says there's been a king been born. And they're like, well, we've never heard about a king being born. They're like, well, you just got to trust me. An old prophecy said when we see this star, there's going to be a king, and we're just going to go follow him. Their neighbors had to think they were a little crazy, right? But what do they do? They take this journey on faith. Hebrews 11.6 tells us this, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I think so many of us struggle with faith if we're being real honest, don't we? 
I mean, we would say we don't struggle with faith. We would say, yes, I have faith. If I were to ask you, how many of you have faith in God? Most of you in here would raise your hand. You're here on a Sunday morning. You're here on a cold Sunday morning, okay? You're committed. You would, most of us would say we have faith in God. But the issue is, many times we really struggle when it comes to putting that faith into action. We say we have faith, but when it comes to actually putting it into action, we just typically struggle. Why do you think so many of us struggle with tithing? Why? Because honestly, it's a faith issue. You're trusting when you give that money, you're trusting that God is going to provide and God is going to take care of you. In my church at Northside, one thing that we do, we talk about often is uh, something called next steps. What is your next step? I'm a firm believer that if you're still breathing today, that God has a next step for you. But I do believe this. Many of us struggle with taking our next step because we're not quite sure when we take that step if God is going to catch us. We believe, yes, I want to take the step, and God, I really want to serve in this ministry. God, I really want to do this, but if I really boil it down to it, I'm really nervous and really scared because I'm not quite sure you'll catch me if I take the step. Most of us struggle with faith. It's just, it's kind of ingrained in us. Most of us struggle to have that type of faith. We struggle believing that God will keep his promises, struggling to believe that God will meet us exactly where we're at. But I can promise you this, I've said this a lot, God has never dropped one of his kids. And he's not going to stop with you. Does that make sense? Every time one of God's kids takes a step in faith, he doesn't drop. He doesn't fall. Okay, I love doing this with my kids. Hey, jump to me, okay? And they jump with blind faith because they believe dad's going to catch them. Now, will I catch them every time? I really hope so. <laughs> but there's a chance that one of them might fall because maybe I'll take my eye off of them or whatever and they might fall. God catches us every single time we take a leap of faith. Our journey always involves faith. I need one more kid to help me. Help me illustrate this a little bit. First, all right, come on up. Come on up. Now, do you trust me? You wow. Mom and dad are just shaking like you should not have raised your hand. See, I grew up with your mom and dad, and they know me really well, all right? Come on over here. So if I told you to turn around and face that wall and fall backwards, and I would catch you, would you believe me? Yes. She's got faith. Chad is just like, don't drop my daughter, please. All right, turn around and face that wall for me. You need to cross your arms like this. Oh, you're ready for this, okay? And when I say go... I just want you to fall back, okay? And I promise you I'll catch you. All right, I'll, whenever I say go, you just fall back. You ready for this? Are you sure? Do you trust me? 100% positive. You don't know me real well. I could be just insane. And this could be an all elaborate prank, okay? Are you feeling nervous? Yes, okay, that's what I was looking for. All right, are you ready? Oh, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I wasn't ready. We got to do this together, okay? All right, let's try that again. On your mark, get set. But before you do that, just want to make sure you're good to trust me. Okay, you're getting aggravated now. Okay. All right, you ready? Your mark, get set, go. 
Ah, good job. All right, let's do it one more time. Whoa. <laughs> Didn't realize the motion would carry that far forward. Okay, you ready? Your mark, get set, go. Good. All right, good job. You did good. All right, give her a hand. Our journey with God involves faith, doesn't it? Every day. Our walk with God is about faith. It's about taking the step that he puts in front of us and trusting when we take that step that he's going to catch us. Trusting that he's going to be with us each and every time. Let's pick back up in our story. Verse 3 says, when Herod heard the king, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. When Herod, I'm going to jump down, says, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And when he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Obviously, Herod was not looking to worship this king, okay? Herod was threatened by the birth of Christ. He was not looking to worship at all. Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child, Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they brought they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Their journey's over, and the only thing they knew to do, they were just simply compelled to worship. What brings us to number two, worship always involves sacrifice. Our journey with God always involves faith, but worship will always involve sacrifice. The purpose of their journey was to worship, and they did so by presenting three gifts. They gave gold, which represented his royalty, the fact that he was king of kings, they gave frankincense, which was an incense used in sacrificial offerings, represented his deity, the fact that he was son of God. And they gave him myrrh, which was an embalming perfume, which presented his sufferings, or the fact that he would be the sacrificial lamb. These men obviously did not have all the answers, but they were drawn to Jesus. And all they knew to do was to simply worship, no matter what the cost is. And I think most of us would say amen to the fact and that we really want to worship. That is part of what we do as believers. But I think sometimes the issue comes in, we reserve worship for only what happens on Sunday mornings, right? When we hear worship, what's the first thing that comes to our mind? Music. Okay, and the music was fantastic this morning, by the way. Great job. I thoroughly enjoyed the, the music this morning. Just that opportunity to worship in song. But this is what we have to understand. Worship extends beyond what happens on Sunday mornings. See, worship is more than music and song and voice and melodies. It's so much more than that. Romans tells it this way, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The way we live our lives, the way we honor Him throughout the day, is an opportunity for us to worship Him. The way that we go about our lives every day is an opportunity for us to worship him through our life and through our actions. But the truth to it is this, is it will probably cost us something. If we're going to truly worship God with our life, it's going to cost us something because it means this. Essentially, we'll probably have to stop something. We might have to put something down. We might have to quit an old habit and start a new habit. Whenever we worship, it will cost us something. Worship, when we worship with our lives, it will change us, which essentially costs us something. Second Samuel 
says it this way. Then the king, this is speaking of David, said, No, but I surely will buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer a burnt offering to my Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. David knew that it wasn't a sacrifice if it didn't cost him anything. He knew that it wasn't worship if it didn't cost him anything. It needed to cost him something. Sacrifice, when we worship, it's a sacrifice, and that essentially will cost us something. I need one more student, one more kid to help me. Let's see here. All right, Riley, come on up. How you doing, buddy? Good. You like candy, right? You like Reese's Pieces? Yeah. There you go. I'm going to give that to you, okay? Pretty awesome, right? Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you, do you mind giving that back to me? Could I please have it back? Thank you so much. All right. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you this dollar. Pretty awesome, right? You like a dollar. But now, I have two pieces of Reese's in my pocket. And I'd like to give these both to you, but we're going to do a trade, okay? I'm going to let you buy them from me, okay? So, do you want these? They're 50 cents a piece, so it'd be a dollar, okay? Can I have the dollar? There you go. Thank you very much. You feel pretty good, right? Now, can I have those back? You're just going to give them back to me? Without any problem at all, okay? Now, let me ask you this. Was it a little bit harder to give these back than the first time? No. <laughs> Most people would say yes, but you're my cousin, so that's what I figured, okay? Well, now the first time that I gave you one, okay, and asked you to give it back to me, you hesitated, right? You weren't quite sure. And then I gave you the dollar and I made you buy these two. What do you think was worth more, the two or the one? You don't know? Well, what did you spend on the one? But did you have to buy the one at all, or did I just give it to you? I gave it to you, right? So you didn't spend any money on it. But these two, what did you have to spend on it? A dollar, right? So which were these two? Which ones are worth more, these two or the first one? Those two, why? Because it's more and you had to spend some money on it, right? Okay, here, I'm going to give you one. Go back and find your mom. Good job. All right, essentially, when we pay for something, that's what I love about family worship, you're never quite sure what's going to happen. Essentially, when we pay for something, it means a little bit more to us, doesn't it? There's a little bit more ownership. Beck and I bought a house about a year ago when we moved to Kansas. And up until that point, we had rented the previous five years in Illinois. And this was the first year I put up Christmas lights on my house. And the reason I put up Christmas lights was because it was my house. And I wanted my house to look good. And I went overboard, okay? Some might say maybe a tad bit overboard. Um, but I told my wife, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And I want it to look like the North Pole at my house. Okay, I want planes to start landing in my driveway because of the bright lights. Once a week, I cut my grass. I edge it. I weed eat it. Why? Because it's mine. I want it to look good. When I rent it, I'd mow the grass every week and a half, two weeks, okay? I'd push it as far as I possibly could push it. 
Never did Christmas lights before up until this year. Why? Because this house is mine. Okay? We bought the house. Okay? We, it's, we had to buy it with our money, and we were excited about it. So I'm excited about our house because it's ours, because it costs me something. You see, we take much more ownership when something costs us something. Worship always includes sacrifice. Always includes sacrifice. Like, well, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I worship here on Sunday mornings, and, and I don't know if I'm really sacrificing anything, right? Worship always includes sacrifice. You know, sometimes, you know, one thing I think we should sacrifice every single time we walk through the doors of a church is what we want. God, I want what you want today, not what I want. God, I, I want to I honor you today. God, show me who I can minister to today. Not, God, sh- show me what I need to hear, but God, show me what, who you want me to speak to today. God, as I come through your doors and your sanctuary, God, direct me to someone that I can minister to. God, help me to step out of my comfort zone. Help me to sacrifice my comfort zone so I can worship and so I can minister to somebody. And the one sacrifice I really believe God wants more than anything else is us. He wants us. He wants our heart, our attention, our focus. Our focus gets so divided nowadays, doesn't it? I mean, it's so easy to lose focus on what's important. There's so much stuff vying for our attention. Whether it's social media or media in general, our focus can be so divided when God simply says, I want your focus to be on me. You're the sacrifice that I want. You're the sacrifice that I look and that that makes me smile. I want to read Romans 12.1 one more time. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in other words, in view of everything God has done, Okay, in view of all that God has done for you, and in view of everything God has done for me, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present yourselves to God and say, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want, whatever you have for me to do, God, I am yours today, I am yours forever. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And I love this last part, for this is your true and proper worship. When we present ourselves to God and say, God, I am yours. I will be the living sacrifice that you desire for me to be. God says, that's true worship. That's true and that's proper worship. That's exactly what I want you to do. Number three, last one. An encounter with God changes everything. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 12. says, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way there's no doubt in my mind this is God protecting his son Jesus no doubt about that this is God protecting his son said that he divinely warned them in a dream they should not return to Herod so you basically cannot go back the way that they came this is God's way of protecting his son but I can't help but see a little bit more here I can't help but see just a little bit more so I want to pause and really let us take this verse in I think it's to me it's very interesting once they encountered Jesus They couldn't go back the same way they came. Once they encountered Jesus, something changed. Once they encountered Jesus, they weren't the same anymore. They couldn't go back the same way that they had come. Things had changed. Just like the solution that I used with the pennies, by dipping the penny in, the penny penny became a little clean. The penny had changed, okay? The look of it had changed. 
So when we encounter Christ, when we encounter God, simply our lives will be changed. There's so many biblical examples of this. I think of Genesis chapter 32 and Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God. Can you imagine this? Whenever I read scripture, I really like to almost view it like a movie in my mind. And I'm viewing Jacob wrestling with God. And it said that he wrestled all night. And then finally it was like God was like, okay, I'm done playing with you. And he touched his hip and he was like, okay, I'm done. Never walked the same. He was changed. I think of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. A great verse of scripture says this in verse 5. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a nation or people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Here's Isaiah. He gets a glimpse of who God is. And he can't help but say, woe is me, I am ruined, I am undone. In other words, I'm changed. I encountered God and I'm changed. And here's the thing, we could go from person to person to person in here and give testimony about your encounter with Christ. And they will all end like this. And I ended up changed. Every single one. Different stories, different circumstances. But the bottom line is when we encounter Christ, we walk away differently. You can't walk away the same when you encounter Christ. One way or the other, you will leave changed. Some of you will encounter Christ today. And you will leave here differently. You're going to leave differently because God is going to speak to you about something. He's going to say, hey, I want you to change this. And you're going to say, okay, I'm going to change that. And you're going to leave differently. Some of you may, may meet Christ for the very first time today and your life will be radically changed because you'll have a Savior. But some will come in, you hear the message, and you go to leave, and you leave a little bit hardened because God's been speaking to you about something. God's been speaking to you and he's saying, I want you to change this. You need to change that. And you're kind of wrestling with God right now. Well, God, I, I don't really want to change that. I really enjoy where I'm at in my life. God, if I change that, then that means this is going to happen. See, remember, when we encounter Christ, we leave differently. We need to leave change for the better, or we can leave a little bit more hardened. Because we continue to resist and resist. When we encounter Christ, it changes everything. The way we talk, the way we act. When we experience God firsthand, it is truly a game changer. Friday was um, Becca and I's 17th wedding anniversary. And so we went out to downtown Fort Worth and went to Texas Day Brazil. I've never been to Texas Day Brazil before, okay? Everybody had talked to me about how great Texas Day Brazil was, but I'm like, it's a restaurant, okay? I'm... It's a restaurant. They're going to give me food. I'm going to walk away happy because they gave me food. It's going to be great, right? We go into this restaurant, and they have this big salad bar as you walk in. How many have been to Texas Day, Brazil? Okay, good. Apparently, I was the only one in the whole state of Texas who had never been. So I walk in, you see this salad bar. They have an upstairs and a downstairs. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, I hope they don't set me upstairs because I don't want to walk up and down the steps every time I want to go back to get more food. Well, sure enough, they set us upstairs. So I was a little frustrated. Well, then she, they say, okay, you can go to the salad bar, get your food. So I go to the salad bar, and it's got a, just a bunch of stuff on there. So I put some stuff on my plate. I go upstairs, and then they start bringing around this meat. I had no idea what these people were giving me. They would come by, and they would say something. And I would just be like, yes, please. 
So, and they give me little tongs, I'm pulling it off of there, and, and they said, okay, when you're done, you just flip this over to the red, and we won't bring you any meat. So I never flipped mine over, I just had mine green the whole time. So I'm eating, and I notice I'm eating, and meat just keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and I just got a bigger smile on my face. And again, I have no idea what they're serving me, but anytime they brought meat to me, I just said, yes, please. Never once did I get back up to go back to that salad bar. I totally forgot about the salad bar. They just kept bringing me meat. So we get done, we get done eating, we pay and we leave, and Becca was like, so what'd you think? I was like, that was the greatest experience of my life. This is one of the greatest things I've ever encountered in my entire life. I'd heard about Texas Day Brazil. I heard about it, I heard about how great it was, how amazing it was, but the bottom line, it didn't change me until I experienced it firsthand. When I experienced it firsthand, it was a game changer. And I looked at Becca, I said, can we come back on Sunday? I got like three more days before I leave to go back to Kansas. How many more times can I eat at this place? It was a game changer. When you encounter Christ, when you encounter God, you will leave changed. It changes your life. When you have an encounter with God, it will change everything. It will change you. But obviously, we have to allow it to. Many of us, when we encounter God, we resist, and we resist, and we resist. When God simply says, you're the sacrifice I want. Submit your life to me, and watch what I'll do. Take that step of faith, and I promise I'll catch you. I won't drop you. Take your step. When we encounter Christ, we leave differently. Three last next steps before we close out. Number one, choose to believe God. For some of you in here, maybe you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Can I implore you? Can I urge you? If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, don't leave here today without doing that. That will radically change your life. That is truly a game changer. Choose to believe God. Choose to accept Christ as your Savior. Number two, for some of you, maybe you need to choose to obey God. Maybe you just simply need to obey. God has been speaking to you a while about something. Maybe he wants you to serve in a ministry and you've been re resisting. Maybe somebody in the church has said, hey, I think you'd be great at this. And you said, well, I'm not real sure. So you've been resisting. Choose to obey. Number three, choose to change for God. What is God? What would he have you to change today? Think about next year. How do you want to be different? How do you want next year to look differently than this year? Choose to change. You say, okay, God, I'm yours. I'll be that living sacrifice. What do you want me to change today? Would you bow your heads with me? The wise men encountered, encountered the baby, and they were changed. question I have for you today is how is the Lord speaking to your heart today what is he saying to you today how is he calling you to obey him today if you've sat and listened today God has spoken to you I have no doubt about that anytime God's word is open he speaks what has he spoken to you about today in a moment I'm going to pray Thank you.
when I get done praying, we'll give you an opportunity just to respond. An opportunity to respond on how God has spoken to you. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. You can pray right where you're at. God can hear you sitting right in your seat. But there is something about coming forward and grabbing another brother or sister in Christ saying, will you pray for me? I've been resisting obeying for a long time. I've been resisting the call to salvation for a long time and I can't resist anymore. Will you pray for me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd ask if you would stand. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to pray. And when I get done praying, this is your opportunity to respond. We have people up here up front that would love to pray with you that would love to pray over you, or you can come and you can pray by yourself. That's really up to you. But however the Lord has spoken to you, choose to respond. Choose to leave differently. Father, I want to thank you for today. God, I thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. God, and I thank you for the fact, God, that when we encounter you, God, ultimately we leave differently. God, help us to leave differently today. God, help us to respond to you and to your calling. If the Lord has spoken to you right now as his music is playing, I'd encourage you to step out. Step out and come forward. We have people here that would love to pray with you.